Good morning to you all, dear brothers and sisters, and of our viewers who today are connected and joining us on this broadcast this with this technology God has allowed us to enjoy so that we may be together here from any given place around the world. I know that there are many places the brothers and sisters are ready and prepared for the service, for the sermon. So we are not alone. We are gathered together and accompanied by thousands. I don't know how many people are watching, 30,000, 40,000. In this moment, there's about 45,000 different watchers or viewers because at, at a certain someone watching could have maybe five people at home watching from one place so you see we're not alone we are accompanied by thousands thousands of people who have prepared their heart for god preparing one's heart to learn the ways of the lord that is the beautiful part that we take this time to honor our God and to tell him that he is so important. Our God, our creator, our maker, our king, our ruler, he is the maker of our lives. And this is why with great joy and gladness, we are here to give him thanks and to praise him, to give him the appreciation he deserves. And so the honor and the glory be for our God today. And you as well receive many blessings from God's behalf as well and much joy. And while you are seated, you can get comfortable. You can have a seat. And with a very open, willing heart, we're going to sing a hymn to the Lord. A hymn that I know that you like to sing as well. You love to sing to the Lord without any musical background music, only with our heart, with our lips, our mouth. We praise the Lord and we glorify God and take the time out for that. Take that time every once in a while to sing to God a hymn or a chorus and reflect upon the Lord, praise him and think of him, and you will see how the Lord will also be ready to listen to our prayers. I am so happy to be here with you today, once again, and while waiting for the Lord to very soon allow the temples, the churches to be reopened, because, well, we truly are in need of the congregation. We need to congregate all together to praise the Lord, for it is different. It's different. The Holy Spirit manifests differently when we're all gathered together in the congregation rather than we're by ourselves. And there are many different sayings in different places that say that the birds, the birds the, the, they, who call upon the rain, and there's thousands of these kinds of birds who begin to call for the rain. I don't know what you necessarily call it, but they call for the rain. And people say, well, just one of these birds alone can't call on the rain by themselves. So I would probably say one person alone praying to God wouldn't be enough. We all have to pray. And so in this moment, the thousands who are connected, we all should pray and ask the Lord to quickly allow the temples to be reopened for people to once again congregate, for we are in need of the Lord. Now we're going to sing to the Lord hymn 39 titled, Revive us again. 
And so we will sing with joy and gladness. Hymn 39. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God. For thy spirit of light, who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. glory revive us again all glory and praise to the lamb that was slain who has borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain glory hallelujah amen hallelujah thine the glory revive us again revive us again fill each heart with thy love may each soul be rekindled with fire from above hallelujah thine the glory hallelujah amen Thine the glory, revive us again. And blessed be our God, and we thank the Lord. You may be seated, and you can get comfortable in your places. And today, we will be giving some advice to people or two brothers and sisters who maybe one day made the decision to follow this path of believing in the God of the Bible and to follow him. But there have been so many things that have happened and problems rise and tribulations rise 
moments of hardship rise in the lives of people and this causes people to become discouraged and people to turn back and abandon the path of the Lord. They leave the path of God. They forsake it and abandon it and once again go back and live their life in the world. So today, we're going to be reading some verses in the Bible, some cases, and there are many cases that the Bible shares with us, but we'll read a few because of lack of time, where God, God always complained, complained against the people of Israel that they had forsaken him and abandoned him, that they had abandoned the path of the Lord. And they had, well, severe consequences in forsaking God's path. For God also, he forgot about the people and left them alone. And each did what they thought best. But this mighty God of that time is the same that we have now. He is the same God. And today, he also advises us and teaches us that we should not leave or forsake his path, but that we should be courageous, that we should be faithful and loyal and continue forward. In the good times and in the bad times, this is why it says that we must love God above all things, above the good things and above the bad things. We must love God under any circumstance in life, not just loving him in moments of abundance and of happiness and of delight, but loving him in tribulation, in shortage, in times of need, in times of sickness, in all moments of difficulty, all tribulation, we must love God. So this is what it means to love God above all things above all circumstances in life, even above ourselves, loving God. Because if we, if we have appetite for something, a vice, if we desire to please ourselves with many things that displease God, well, then I need to deny myself and say, no, I can't do this because I need to please God. So then I am going above myself to try and please God and love him above all things, above human beings, above people, loving God. And God says, do not leave, do not forsake the path of the Lord. So we're going to be reflecting upon some of these verses and there we will see the example. These are examples of the people in the Bible of what happened to them. And what did God do because of what they had done, which is to forsake the path of the Lord. Many things, painful things happened. And we're going to open our Bibles and Judges because today we want to learn that we should not leave or forsake the path of the Lord. It doesn't matter if there are moments of difficulty, like the moments that we're going through and facing now. We are facing moments of difficulty. And we hear in the news that many people are dying People are in the hospitals in intensive care. They are there almost dying. And there are many people, the hospitals, they are full 
they don't have enough room to be able to treat the ill. And we read about the plagues and everything that God had sent to mankind as a punishment. And we read about that and we thought, well, it was a very beautiful story, but we never actually perhaps sit down and reflect and say, well, if that were to happen now in our times, how would things be? Well, we're facing this difficulty now where families are suffering. Many have lost their loved ones. Many are suffering and write and ask that we pray. And well, we are praying and asking God for mercy, that he have mercy, that God give another opportunity to human beings that God may make himself known. And so we open our Bibles in Judges chapter 2. Judges, it is the Old Testament. After the five books of Moses, the last one of that is Deuteronomy, and then it's Joshua and Judges. Now the judges, they were who the Lord began to send to the people of Israel to rule over them. Now, we might remember because of the story of Moses, Moses was with the people for 40 years. And then they reached a place near the Jordan River, and there Moses handed over the people to Joshua because Moses was now going to the presence of the Lord, and Joshua was Moses' successor. Throughout all of that time that Joshua was ruling the people of Israel, guiding them. The people did good things before God, and there was peace. But once Joshua died, as soon as Joshua died, the people of Israel began to sin and do evil in the eyes of God. And this is where we realize that there were then consequences deadly consequences. And so now in chapter two, I'm reading here from verse six, and it speaks of the death of Joshua. We're going to read what happened. Let's remember Joshua was the successor to Moses. And it reads, and when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land so that people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And it says, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days that Joshua was leading them, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now, let's keep in mind, let's keep this verse in mind that says that while Joshua was ruling and leading the people of Israel, it says the people, they did things right and they pleased God. And in verse eight, here is the sad part. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. This is the sad part, that that generation, those who were led by Joshua died, and then a new generation arose, and they did not know God. 
They did not know the work or the miracles that God had done among the people when they were with Moses those 40 years in the wilderness. And also they did not know about all of the years that Joshua ruled and God manifested himself. This is the sad part that says that there was this new generation that arose. Now today I share with you generations, they come to an end and a new generation comes and well, that continues on until the end of our days. And how many generations do we maybe have after our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I think we only have one generation after Christ because it's now been over 2000 years since that great occurrence happened with our Lord and he sent the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit could be with human beings and to guide us, to lead us and teach us. So we have always had someone to guide and teach us, someone to lead us. Now, of course, so long as we prepare our hearts for God and we believe in him, because we need to keep in mind today, there are many people who don't believe in God. Now, those who don't believe in God, well, God does not guide them. God does not lead them or bless them. He leaves them alone. But the Holy Spirit is who has been guiding us. This is why I say this is one generation that has existed after our Lord Jesus Christ, even to this day, because the Holy Spirit is the one present. And so we can die. The generations can die as well. The generations pass. Families, they pass. And new people come along. But these new people, they are guided and led by the Holy Spirit, thanks to our Lord. He has not left us alone here on this earth. So as we are reading and we are using these examples for our lives we're not we're not going to follow the example the bad examples we'll follow the good examples but we're also going to read about the bad things that they did because they had forgotten the lord because in that time the holy spirit did not manifest himself as he manifests now among us this is why they were alone after joshua died they were alone and they began to do evil in the eyes of the lord verse 11 let's read then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. These are the foreign gods that they were called Baals. Those foreign gods, those statues, paintings, those were those foreign gods, demons, because they were demons that they would call upon as well and they would call upon the dead. And it says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord because they did not know God. They didn't know the Lord. They needed someone to come and teach them the way, the path of the Lord. Verse 12 reads, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths, which were gods that had that certain nations had. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. So God was very angry 
God felt great jealousy that the people of Israel had followed after all of these gods and all of these beliefs, these different religious beliefs of all of the other nations that were around. They were neighbors to the Israelites. And the Lord was very angry and he delivered them into the hands of their enemies. Verse 15, wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, now this distress, this, this moment of hardship lasted many years. And in verse 16, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. This is when the Lord raises up judges to rule the people of Israel so that they could be the leaders of the Israelites. And through that judge, well, God was with the judge, would support the judge, and would bless the people of Israel. That was always what happened. But here, we are seeing how they forsake, the people of Israel forsake the Lord. And in verse 17, Verse 17, yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. So it says the people of Israel, after, after God had appointed the judges, and each judge would govern or rule for 40 years minimum. Even so, with all of that, the people of Israel, they turned away from the path of God. They, didn't ha they did not have any fear of God. They did not have that love or appreciation for the Lord and in following His way, following the Lord, and not leaving or forsaking God. They didn't do that. For it says, when God placed those judges, they didn't heed, did not listen to them. But they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. Which fathers? Well, the fathers who were in the wilderness with Moses. And obeying the commandments of the Lord, they turned away from that. They did not do so. They did not walk in the commandments. Now 18, and when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. So the Lord, either way, he had mercy and he supported the judge. And through that judge, God gave them victory on certain occasions, would give them victory and triumph so they were not oppressed and harassed by those other nations so that they were not humiliated. But what would happen after? In verse 19, it reads, And it came to pass, when the judge was dead, that they reverted. So it says the people of Israel reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. 
they did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died. Now here, the Lord had established a punishment for the people. He had spoken a punishment. He was upset. And it says, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. Now, Joshua was in constant war in order to attain and acquire all of the lands and cities. And God did not allow that he did not allow them to win those victories because he was going to leave them there as stumbling stones as a consequence to their disobedience and for having left and forsaken the path of the Lord. That is what happened. Now we're going to take a look at what Isaiah chapter 1 says. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. Isaiah, the prophet, he prophesied in the time of the kings. In that time when Isaiah prophesied, there was King Uzziah, King Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. In that time of the kings, that's when Isaiah prophesied. He prophesied what God would tell him to then go and admonish the people of Israel to tell them to turn away from sin and not forsake his path and to continue forward. Now in Isaiah chapter 4, it reads, Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. This is what the Lord is telling the people of Israel through Isaiah. A brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Now, if we continue reading the chapter, we find that the Lord said that because you have forsaken me, abandoned me, turned back, I will punish you. I will leave you. I will also forsake you. I will leave you alone. And God did so. And when God would leave them alone, they suffered a lot. They would weep and were afflicted, and they would begin to cry out to the Lord, plead with him to have mercy, to remember them. That is what they did. In Jeremiah, now let's go to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 2, in verse 13, which... The prophet Jeremiah, he also prophesied to the people of Israel. And in verse 13, it reads, For my people have committed two evils. Now, after Jeremiah, he tells them, Heed what the Lord is saying. Heed what the Lord is saying. Pay attention to the prophecy. They... It seems as though no one was listening to the word of God. Now, Jeremiah, among all the things he would prophesy, he says, 
For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. So it says that the Lord, he is the fountain of living waters. That is what God is. He's a fountain of living water. They have forsaken me. And it says, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So the Lord gives them and he illustrates for them and uses a metaphor and says, if I'm a living, a fountain of living water, they began to dig in the ground for these cisterns, but they were broken. The water would escape through the, those cracks. So they never had that water because they had forsaken the path of God and they were seeking other gods. They began to believe in other ways of worshiping God, believing and following the ways of their neighbors and other foreign nations, those religious beliefs that they had. So the people of Israel began to do the same. Those were those broken cisterns that apparently they thought that in digging for that cistern, it would be filled with water and they would have the water and they would be able to survive off of that water. But that was not the case because those foreign gods, they were never going to give them peace or joy, was never going to give them everything God offers human beings, the true living God. So the Lord says, well, I'm the fountain of living water. And you've changed me for broken cisterns where it cannot hold any water. You've changed me for other gods, gods who cannot speak, who do not move, who have eyes but cannot see, mouths they have but do not speak. You have to be carried. They have to be carried on people's shoulders. And then they have these parades for them. And they all have to carry them throughout the parades because they're gods who cannot move because they are gods of wood, gods of another material of stone or cement or gold, whatever it might be, bronze. They are inanimate beings. And God says, you've changed me for that. They do not give you joy or peace or blessings. They do not hear prayers. They do not dry your tears. They do not lend a hand to help or to work a miracle or a healing. Or to protect you, keep you safe from danger. Those gods do not do that. Those statues do not do that. So the Lord was very angry. And well, the Lord had a good reason to be angry. And the Lord tells them this about this fountain of living waters he compares it to those broken cisterns that they've dug with those gods that they chose they abandoned they first they forsook the path of the lord but today for example people how do they or how do people today forsake the path of the lord how do they leave the path of god well today many people come to church god speaks to them because god speaks through prophecy through dreams, visions, and revelation, and discernment, through the spiritual gifts, God speaks to mankind today. And God speaks to a person, and that person is happy, and they come to church for some time and congregate. They're in the church for some time, or maybe some years. And then later, tribulation came, hardship, maybe a, uh, an illness, disease, or maybe an accident, the death of a loved one, and that is then 
the motive or reason to then abandon, to forsake the path of the Lord. They forsake the path of the Lord because they say, oh, well, this happened. My loved one died and he didn't need to die. He needed to be eternal because, well, people don't think about this, that no one is actually eternal. No one thinks and says, oh, well, since my loved one died, well, then I won't go back to that church. Because he said that he was going to bless my family, he was going to bless my loved ones, and he was going to give a blessing to my loved one, and look, he died. So I'm not going back to church. I won't believe in the Bible anymore. I won't go. I'll leave this path. I'll continue in the world. Now, are people eternal? Now, are people, when they die in God, those who believe and trust in the Lord and die, will they suffer? No. They're going to be in eternal joy with God. So this in, in the Bible, there are many parts where it says that death is better than life. It is better to die and to be with God, to rejoice with God. This is what it says here. And I think that's true. But we human beings, we cling on to life. We do. We cling on to life and people don't want anyone to die. They want to have their loved ones who maybe is a bit old in age and they say, no, Lord, they cannot die. If they die, well, then they go crazy. And so they seek reasons to leave and forsake the path of the Lord. They say, I don't believe in God because he did not fulfill. My loved one should not have died. Or this accident should not have happened. Why did this accident happen? And in this accident, a loved one died. And so I leave and forsake the path of the Lord. I'm not returning. I'm not going back. Or they got sick. What do you mean I got sick? Well, I'm not going back. I don't believe because I'm now ill. So we human beings, we are always thinking, thinking of the material things of life. And we're desiring to have everything and to have a lot is surplus that we have abundance of everything and if we do have those things then we say oh i believe in god i'll continue to follow this path but the day you have tribulation or hardship or the day that you have a test that comes to your life or the devil is maybe envious and harms you well then okay now i'm discouraged i now leave and abandon the path of the lord that's what happens today so today what might God say to us? Who has the Lord left as a guide to lead, to rule? Who is the one that is ruling over us but himself? He himself, he is the one. Through the spiritual gifts, he himself sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Meaning God himself is with us today. This is why the prophetic words said, and a son will be born to a virgin. He will be born and his name will be Emmanuel, which means translated God with us. God with us. In the time of antiquity, it was God with the prophet. And from afar off, he would observe the people of Israel. And through the prophet or the high priest, he would bless the people. But later on in the generation of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, thanks to our Lord, he says the Holy Spirit is the one who will be with you forever. 
He will guide you. He will lead you, advise you. He will tell you what you need to do. So we today, guided by the Spirit of God, He tells us to continue forward and to withstand those hardships and difficulties and tests. That we should not pay attention to the diseases or the bad things that happen to our life. That if you are threatened or if you're going to be kidnapped, that you have been threatened, to, that someone's going to kill you. No, don't be afraid. Trust in God. Trust in the Lord and say, Lord, I'm with you. You will keep me safe. You will protect me. You will not allow myself to be kidnapped or for my life to be taken from me. You will protect me because you have promised it. This is what our God does today because today we have him as a guide. We have himself, he himself with us, God with us. Blessed and praised is the name of the Lord. So why would we leave then or forsake the path of the Lord if he is so near to us? Here in Jeremiah 5, verse 7. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 7. The prophet, many times he prayed to God and asked God for mercy, mercy for the people of Israel. Now in verse 7, now he gives an answer to someone who prayed to God for the people of Israel. And the Lord says, shall I pardon you for this? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by those that are not God's. When I had fed them to the fool, then they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's houses. It reads, they, they were like well-fed, lusty stallions. Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Now, aside from idolatry they were committing other sins such as adultery and fornication here in this verse what they highlight is fornication and adultery for it says for they were like well-fed lusty stallions everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife that was adultery and fornication and this is why the Lord said, how can I pardon them? How can I forgive them? If they have forsaken my ways, they have forsaken my commandments. They are not keeping my commandments. Now in chapter 16 of Jeremiah, verse 11, what does the Lord say? Now the Lord was very upset with the people here and he tells Jeremiah, go and preach to them, go and prophesy to them and announce to these people that I am going to leave them and forsake them and punish them if they do not repent. That I will give them opportunities, but no, they never heeded and listen to the words, the prophetic words of the servants of God. As they did not heed those words, the Lord tells Jeremiah, go and tell them this in verse 11. Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, says the Lord. They have walked after other gods. It says here, and have served them and worship them and have forsaken me 
and not kept my law. They did not keep my commandments. They have forsaken me. They have followed after idols, followed after other gods and beliefs of all the other nations. So the Lord tells them, how can I be happy with the people of Israel? How, Jeremiah, can you think that I could be happy? And don't pray for them anymore because I will not listen to you. This is what the Lord said to Jeremiah. Do not pray for these people. I will no longer listen to the prayer. My hand is ready to send the punishment. And as God is, that God from that time is the same God we have today. We have the same God. And he is the same because he does not change. Now fashion changes, styles change, and eras change. Things things change. Everything has an evolution. Even maybe sometimes our, our languages evolve and change. And there's different styles that come along. And there's technology and science. So many things. But God is the same. He doesn't change. He's always been the same. And someone could say, Oh, well, the Lord, he was very, he was very strict to the alphabet in that time. No, or, or he didn't know. He, he was not educated about these things because he didn't have the Internet. No, he, he knew about all of that. He had all of this in store for the future because he wanted men to, little by little, progress into these things. He did not want to give everything to mankind immediately, but he wanted mankind to make an effort and work and to think for themselves and analyze and to discover what God was placing right before them, all of the elements God put them before them so that man could work them and discover them. And in that measure of intelligence and, and the capacities God gives, this is how people began to progress and grow. And this is what we now call science and technology, advanced science and technology. And who knows what else awaits us in the future? I'm sure that in the future, Mankind will invent a way for man to fly. They'll place a jetpack here and then fly anywhere they want. But we can't doubt that. That could be possible because God allows mankind to know these things. He gave them that knowledge and he gives them all of the elements in nature to see what else they can invent, what else they can do. Very well. Now, as I said, God is the same. That today, God is just like he was before. He's the same God, and he gives us certain treatment because he has also given us his commandments, the same commandments he gave to Moses. But also, we have the Holy Spirit today who teaches each of us. He corrects our maybe bad habits. He corrects our vices. He corrects maybe the exaggerated things that we do in life. He teaches us that we should not go to certain extremes, but we should be in the middle and not at these different extremes. This is what the Holy Spirit teaches us. He teaches us to live our life well and how we should live a life that is pleasing, pleasant to God. And the Holy Spirit teaches us that we should not leave or forsake the path of the Lord, but we need to surpass all of the difficulties and the hardships that come along in our path and never leave or forsake the Lord or ever be unfaithful. Now, it's not that the Lord 
is a God who threatens and punishes, but let's keep in mind that God gave so many opportunities to the people of Israel. God gave many opportunities and the people of Israel did not heed. The, the Lord does the same with us. He gives us many opportunities. But if we are stubborn and self-willed, well, the Lord will get tired and he will leave and uh, forsake us. But today the Lord will not forsake an entire congregation, an entire church. No, the Lord won't do that. Today it is one by one, individuals. It's each person, each man, each woman, each person the Lord charges and he demands certain things from them and he blesses them and teaches them or takes from them. It's each person. That's what the Lord does today. It's not like it was in the time of antiquity, which was all of the people of Israel who suffered the consequences. Today, it's each individual person, whoever commits the fault, that's who the Lord punishes. Now we continue with Jeremiah 16. Well, I think we've already read 16:11. Now we go to Ezra. Ezra. We're going back before Job. Ezra, I, I've lost it, but now I have found it. Ezra 9. Ezra chapter 9. Now, why did I decide to go back with Ezra? Because the book of Ezra is a book that it belongs maybe after Jeremiah and Isaiah, because Isaiah and Jeremiah were prophets who prophesied to the people of Israel before the destruction of Jerusalem. But Ezra, he, he came along after the, the time of the destruction, and they were in Babylon for 70 years with the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And Ezra was one of the people who God sent back to Israel and Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the temple. So this is why the books, they're not in actual sequence. The first books are here, and then maybe the, the, the first book and sequence is actually in the middle, so then we have to go over to this other place to be able to follow the chronological sequence. But here in Ezra, he had already suffered the punishment because at that point, the Lord had already destroyed Israel and, and punished them. They took the captives to Babylon. They lived there for 70 years as slaves. They suffered a lot. They were without God until finally the Lord remembered them and he told them, return to Jerusalem and I will support you so that you may do all things of rebuilding the temple and the city. So Ezra, he prayed. And in his prayer, he asked God for the people of Israel. He asked God for their ancestors, those who had died, those who had already perished in uh, the when they overtook Israel, when the city was under siege and there was great death and destruction and they burned the city. Ezra, he prays for that group of people who were led as captives to Babylon, the remnant. He prays and asks for all, and he asks the Lord to have mercy and to forgive because they had forsaken the path of the Lord and therefore God had punished them. In chapter 9, verse 10, we have the prayer that Ezra makes before the Lord so that he forgives the people of Israel and for the Lord to have mercy and to once again return 
and come back and support them and guide them as he had done so in the wilderness with Moses. In chapter 9, verse 10, Ezra is confessing all of the sins of the people. He confesses all of the sins that the people of Israel committed. He joins their sin in saying, we, we committed this. We sinned. We did evil in your eyes. We turned away from your ways. We left your marvelous work. And in verse 10, and now, oh, our God, what shall we say after this? For if we have forsaken, now, what can we say, Lord, if you have no mercy of this group of people who have remained? If you have no mercy, what will the other nations say? What will other people say? What will we tell people that we had a living God of power, a God who blessed us, a God who protected us, and now you have abandoned us? What will we tell people? What will people think? How will they mock us? By saying, oh, the people who said that they had God, who were the people of God, look at them, they're now abandoned. God has forsaken them. This was a prayer with sound arguments, that sound reason that Ezra presented before the Lord to soften his heart, to convince the Lord so that he would come back and have mercy and remember the people of Israel. So this is why in verse 10, he says, And now, O our God, what shall we say after this, after all the things that have happened? For we have forsaken your commandments. And which you commanded by your servants, the prophets. And you said that the land which we were going to enter, that we were going to enjoy great abundance because it would be a land that flowed with milk and honey. But this has not happened. And now what will we tell people, Lord? What will we tell them? That because of our sin, we are facing these consequences of that, of that great disobedience? That was Ezra's prayer. And I hope that you take time to read Ezra chapter 9 and his prayer. There, we learn how to pray and we learn how to present ourselves before God. And so as we today are observing these examples, and we today, we do not want to fall in the same mistakes. We will not leave the Lord. We will not forsake the Lord. We must continue forward. We must be strong and courageous and love him wholeheartedly love him above the good and the bad the above righteousness and, and abundance or in times of need or shortage we must love god and here in psalms let's go to psalms in psalms we find for example the promises that the lord in psalm 89 in Psalm 89, we find promises here in Psalms. Now, we already know this, but for those who do not, Psalms, they are spiritual songs, prophetic songs. They are prophecies that in their time were sung with a melody, with music. 
and they were sung by a group. And I say what maybe you today call an orchestra. It was a group of musicians. They were singers that were among the people of Israel and King David. He selected them. He chose them. And there were 70 musicians. They were prophets. They all were prophets. And they would play musical instruments. Each of them, they had a different musical instrument. And they would sing to God. And David would also sing because it says that David played the harp. And when they were singing, the Holy Spirit would come upon them, would use their mouth, their tongue, and they would begin to prophesy. So their song was a prophecy. And that prophecy, they were words from God, words from the Spirit of God, words from the Holy Spirit that were coming out of the mouths of these musicians, these singers, and all of these songs that the Lord allowed to be kept and not to be lost, but for them to be at our reach, this is what we now call Psalms. They are called Psalms. But here in Psalms, we find great riches of doctrine. The Psalms are a great treasure. It is great treasures of doctrine we find all topics in following god's path we find doctrine a lot of doctrine a lot of ways in how we ought to behave ourselves in our daily life before god here he teaches us how to pray how to praise god how to sing to the lord and how to live an upright life and to keep the commandments and teaches us as well that god is merciful and he has mercy of his children, but he is also a God who is consuming fire, who can also become angry, and he can also punish his children if they do not obey his word. Now, in Psalms, we find so many marvels. This is why we will never get tired of reading Psalms, because we find such treasure here. It is a treasure. Every Psalm, it's as if we would find maybe a, a, a certain treasure where we find different metals of gold and silver and nickel, aluminum, all of these different types of stones and of precious stones. We find a mix of all of that. And then we have to select and separate the precious stones by colors. This is what a psalm is like. It is beautiful and marvelous. And this is why we read a psalm. And, and you at home, when you, every single day, you should give thanks to the Lord at least once a day. And so you take some time and read a psalm or read just a paragraph, just a few paragraphs of the psalm and read it. And you say, what beautiful words are written here? I don't understand, but this is so beautiful for you, Lord. And one day I'll understand it. But we do that to honor God. So those are the psalms. And as I said to you before, here in psalms, we find a prophecy. There is a prophecy that speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this prophecy was in reference to, and it was sung by David, I believe. I think it was one of the musicians. It was one of the 70 musicians. 
is the author of this psalm and he began to prophesy now his prophecy was about jesus christ it was for the future in that time no one understood this psalm no one understood the contents and the message but it was for our lord jesus christ and this is why we're now going to read starting and we're going to remember and learn that we never should leave or forsake the path of the lord because what we want is god's blessing and we do not want punishment or rebuke from the lord we want to have god with us always and so here in psalm 89 we'll start reading from verse 19 and it reads like i said to you before this is a prophecy for the future and the future is jesus christ we're already living this we're living the future now now it says here that king david he saw a vision and in visions he saw what god showed him regarding that future regarding that perfect king god would send in the future to rule because this was a righteous king and his kingdom was perfect and his rule would be perfect because this is what the lord does he rules us and his kingdom and his rule is perfect because he teaches us values and he teaches us the commandments and he teaches us that we need to live an upright righteous honorable life in society and that we need to be a light and example to society and being responsible and organized and having ethics and values and manners and mercy prudence well all of these qualities these virtues all of this it needs to be reflected in the lives of men and women who follow our lord jesus christ and follow his true gospel because they are guided by the king our lord jesus christ and guided by the holy spirit and so it is possible it can be achieved and this is why king david envisions he saw and in verse 19 it reads psalm 89 verse 19 then you spoke in a vision to your holy one and said so he spoke in a vision to your holy one so king david was seen in this vision that god the father was speaking to the son to the king and said i have given help to one who is mighty i have exalted one chosen from the people i have found my servant david now if he was speaking to david why would he say i have found my servant david but truly he was speaking of a perfect king he was speaking about jesus christ because he was that king king david is just a symbol of jesus christ as a king and the king who this was truly in reference of or reference to was jesus christ he says i found my servant david with my holy oil i have anointed him with whom my hand shall be established also my arm shall strengthen him so it says his his arm will always or his hand will always be with him and well if we truly observe it is jesus christ because as we know king david died and here this is saying that this was something that was going to be everlasting something that lasts something that has no end and that is jesus christ the king verse 22 reads the enemy shall not outwit him nor the son of wickedness afflict him 
I will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. His faithfulness and his mercy. This faithfulness is the truth of God. God is real. And what God speaks and what he teaches, that is the truth. What he says, that is the truth. He is salvation. He is eternal life. It says, but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name, his horn shall be exalted. Also, I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. He shall cry to me. You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. The father says also, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. So the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, this was all in reference to the Messiah, the King he would send, that perfect King who would be around forever. He would rule forever and for all generations. And it says the highest of the kings of the earth. Well, it says my mercy I will keep for him forever. And my covenant shall stand firm with him, with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because this was not with David, because we know he died. And it says his seed also I will make to endure forever. The seed of who? The seed of Jesus Christ, his followers, the followers of the true gospel. That gospel where God manifests himself and the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself. His seed also I will make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. This, he didn't do this with the physical King David. He did this and he is doing so with our Lord, our King, Jesus Christ. His throne as the days of heaven. Now here in verse 30, this is where I want to highlight. This is what I want to highlight here. And this deals with forsaking and leaving the path of the Lord. And the Lord says, the father speaks, if his sons forsake my law, well, whose sons? Well, the sons of Christ, the sons of that perfect king, the sons of that king whose descendants and his seed would be or endure forever in his throne as the days of heaven. Well, the followers, his followers are his sons. And so let's include ourselves. We have this hope of being the sons of God, the children of God. It says, if his sons, the sons of Jesus Christ, his believers, his followers, if they forsake my law and do not walk or forsake my law, forsake my path as the people of Israel did in the time of antiquity, if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod. He will punish the transgression of his sons. And it says he will also punish them. He will punish their iniquity with stripes. The iniquity of his sons. He would punish each of them all according to their work. They will receive payment. If they did good works, well, then I will bless them. But if they did evil, such as forsaking the laws and the judgments of God and 
forsaking the path of the Lord altogether, it says he will punish them with the rod and stripes. That is the punishment. And this is for today. What I'm reading here, this is for today. So why should we talk about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow, well, I'm sure another preacher will come along and teach the same. But this is for today. This is for us, that we should be very careful and beware. Now in verse 33, it reads, nevertheless, he says, I'm going to punish them. Nevertheless, my love and kindness, I will not utterly take from him, meaning this perfect king, this ruler. He says, I will not take away my mercy from him. My love and kindness, I will not take away from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. When I said that his kingdom would be everlasting forever. When I said that I would give him my mercy forever. When I said to him that I would, that he would be the highest of all the kings of all the earth. All that which I spoke and promised, I will never turn away from that. Verse, that's what verse 33, it says, I will not fail him. That which I promised, what which I spoke, I will not fail him. I will fulfill it. It will come to pass with this perfect king, this oath, this covenant I have made with him. I will not, he says in verse 34, my covenant, I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips, says God. Blessed is the name of the Lord. For this is a very steadfast word from God that he would be punishing the disobedient, those who leave and forsake the path of the Lord, but his church would continue forward. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his children, some of them, may forsake the path of the Lord. Some of them maybe will be in the middle of the path and go astray. And God will then punish each of them. But the Lord continues with his church. The Lord continues with his oath, with his promise, with his covenant. He continues with that perfect king, continues to rule over his church and his followers, those who do love him in truth, those who will keep his commandments, those who will value and cherish the Lord. He will continue on with them. And it says in verse... 35. Once I have sworn by my holiness. The Lord said that he swore by his holiness. When? When he spoke with Abraham. When he spoke with Abraham and said to him he would be the father of many nations. Well, it says the Lord made an oath on himself. He swore on himself. And in verse 35, once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. But which David? Is it the David that had died centuries before? No, not him. It is that spiritual David, that King Jesus, who is perfect, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Christ God sent. So he is the one doing the marvelous work today in our lives. Today we have God's manifestation in our life. We have the manifestation of the spiritual gifts and of the Holy Spirit. And if it were not this to be something that were true, 
well, then we would be like nothing. We would be like an, every other religion that is only limited to reading, but doesn't really feel anything, has nothing of God. The spirit of God does not come to their lives to reveal and to teach them the secrets. And so this is why we know that we are in the true path, the correct path, because God lives. God lives. He is the same today. That God that manifested in that time to Moses and to Joshua, he is the same today. And he says, I will not lie to David. His seed, the seed of David or King or, or King Jesus Christ, his seed is the church, his believers, his congregation. Says his seed shall endure forever. And his throne, now the throne of this perfect king, will be as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon even like the faithful witness in the sky. Blessed and praised is the name of the Lord. And glorified is the name of our God. And we give the honor and the glory to the Lord. And I only invite you. I invite you to continue forward. To not lose heart. Do not be discouraged. Do not leave the path of the Lord. Do not forsake the path of the Lord. Why should you be carried away by laziness to read the Bible? Do not let yourself be carried away by that or by that laziness and, and not wanting to watch the Bible studies and the teachings. Do not be carried away by those things. Make an effort. Force yourself. Force yourself to be there, present, so that you may rule over your flesh so that you may dominate over those evil spirits that try to cling to your body and that do not allow you to prosper and to progress in the path of God. Be strong, be courageous, because the world offers many pleasures. But you, you need money, right? You need money in order to obtain the pleasures that the world offers. And if you don't, if you don't have money, well, then you're in the world just like a person asking for alms, you are someone only looking at others. And so you do not gain anything by going out into the world and forsaking and leaving the path of the Lord. You gain nothing. What you would gain is suffering. You will worsen your situation because many demons, many evil spirits come and try to come into your body and trying to rule over you until one day they lead you to suicide or to insanity. That is what the enemy does. That is what the enemy does when the flesh, when people let themselves be ruled by their flesh. But no, we must force ourselves, put aside all laziness and pray and ask God and say, Lord, help me, help me because I feel lazy. I don't want to read the Bible. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I, I feel lazy about listening to the sermons. I don't want to listen to them. Lord, have mercy of me and help me. Deliver me and remove those evil spirits that have come to my body to not allow me to spiritually progress. Lord, deliver me and have mercy of me. Give me joy. Give me gladness. Give me that appetite and desire to hear your word. Give me that thirst to read the Bible. Help me. 
This is what we need to do. Do not let yourself be defeated. Do not let yourself be defeated by your flesh or by the temptations or the traps or laziness and all of those things that the devil places in your body and in your thoughts in your life. Be strong, be courageous, and continue forward. Let us now pray to the Lord. Let us pray to our God. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed God, Lord, we praise you. We give you the honor and the glory. Lord, we want to do your will. We want to please you and to keep your commandments. We want to do good works, be righteous, be upright before your presence, and to praise you, appreciate you, value you, and give you all that you deserve, Lord, all the honor, all praise, to glorify you and exalt you, Holy Father. Observe all of the thousands of people who are connected and joined in this broadcast. And some are praising you. Others are asking you for mercy. I think, Lord, many are asking for miracles of healing. That you heal them. That you remove those different diseases. There are many new diseases that are surging in people's bodies. There are diseases that we call rare diseases that we have never heard about. But we know, Lord, all of that is the work of the devil. All of that is a product of witchcraft and sorcery. And the majority of diseases today are witchcraft and sorceries that have been cast against people curses, hexes. People live their lives with these curses and suffer. And as the churches are closed, there is no opportunity to be able to lay on hands. And this is why, Lord, we desire with all of our heart that you help us and that you allow the congregation, the temple to be reopened so that we are able to congregate and work the spiritual gifts you have given us to be able to lay on hands. There are many people, are, they're, in, they're in their homes and they feel unarmed. They don't know what to do. They don't know if they themselves should lay on hands or should not. They feel like you don't listen to them, that you are not listening to their prayer, that they ask and you do not hear. That's what they say. But I know, Lord, you are a God of love and a God of mercy. And I know that you will have pity on them. And you, Lord, will give them that mercy and love. And you will lend a hand and you will deliver them. You will heal them. You will cleanse them. There are many brothers and sisters of the church who are sick, who have this virus. They're hospitalized and in intensive care. Lord, I pray that you extend your hand over them, that you heal them, deliver them, protect them. And also all of the people who cry out to you because of different diseases, may you have mercy and may you heal them all, Lord. 
and hear the prayer. Hear each person's cry and plea. Hear each man and woman's plea and help them also to understand your ways and help them so that they do not forsake your path and leave you, Lord, but that they should continue forward with great courage. Oh, blessed Lord, have mercy of us all. I pray for your love. Lord, we always look to you as that righteous God, that God of love, that God of mercy. We do not look at you as a God who is consuming fire, Lord, because we want to be good children and we want to do your will and to please you and to always love you so that we have a loving Father by our side. Lord, thank you. Thank you, eternal God. Extend your healing and delivering hand upon all of those that are chained and bound by the devil who are filled with unclean spirits that do not allow them to reason or to think. Do not let them live their lives normally. Lord, have mercy. And may you hear our prayer. Hear our pleas. Lord, we need of your love. We need of your merciful hand, your powerful hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you in the glorious name of Jesus, your beloved son. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Let us sing chorus number 11. I want to have more of Jesus. Chorus 11. Oh, I want to have more of Jesus. I want to have more of His power. I want to have more of His presence. Oh, I want to have more of Him. Oh, I want to have more of Jesus. I want to have more of His power. I want to have more of His presence. Oh, I want to have more of Him. Glory and honor be to our God. And we thank the Lord for His mercy. And I hope that our God has filled us and has filled you all with many blessings. We must continue forward. And thank you very much. I love you with all my heart. And for the children, I send many kisses. I'm sure all the kids are used to all those kisses and many hugs to you all. God bless you.